0: Andrew Giuliani wants to be the next governor of New York.
1: Andrew Giuliani. I shouldn't fumble your last name because that's key here, Andrew. It's not that Andrew. On the Red Apple Podcast Network, here's Andrew Giuliani. Welcome back to another episode of Not That Andrew. And today we're going to be talking about early voting and we're going to be talking about the primaries because as you are receiving this podcast. Early voting will be starting in a few short hours, depending on when you're listening to it. Early voting could be starting now. And as somebody who was a candidate for governor, I can tell you how important it is. And I want to introduce our guest, who was the candidate for mayor of the city of New York and knows the importance of early voting, among other things. The one and only Curtis Lee. Curtis, thanks for being here. A.G., up. I can't say your name, Andrew.
0: I like the, I like the title because uh, I, I want to be like the Iron yeah. Sheik who will go, Tuh! Andrew Evil Cuomo.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know you're not very opinionated on stuff, but I want to squeeze an opinion out of you on what you think about the name of the podcast, Not That Andrew. I mean, Perfect. I-
0: I I wish your dad could rename you again. You could be rechristened, your mother, Donna, and your dad, Rudy, (laughs) rechristen you a different name.
1: Totally Anthony. (laughs) Like my oldest son, Anthony. Uh, Well, if my father had his way, my first name would have been Harold, because my grandfather was Harold. So my middle name is Harold. So, you know, maybe you'd start calling me Harold. No
0: Harold, no Harold. (laughs) It sounds like a waspy,
1: uh, fuddy duddy name. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, thank you for being on today. Look. I really want to talk today about early voting and the importance of not just messaging for candidates, but what it means for the campaigns to actually get some points on the board before Election Day. We've seen really since 2020 uh, a major rise in early voting. Obviously, Democrats used it all around the country because of the pandemic. uh, And Trump's messaging on early voting in 2020 was, I want you voting on Election Day. I think that messaging was a mistake. And what I could tell you last year as a candidate, I had trouble messaging to people that I wanted them to vote early because the truth is I believe in election day. If I had my way about it, I really think that there should be an election day. You should be able to request absentee ballots if you cannot be in the city or in the state. uh, And that's how you can vote. But I think it's just a more secure method. If you have fewer days to vote Um, with that being said, These are the laws in New York City. If Republicans continue to just focus on Election Day and abandon early voting, then I think you're going to see loss after loss after loss. What do you think about early voting and how would you miss it? Well,
0: Andrew, I had even more of a problem than you did because I was the first election right after Trump versus Biden. And as you know, President Trump at that time was telling everybody, no. Vote on Election Day, Mm -hmm. vote on Election Day. The Democrats were bundling. (laughs) They were going door to door. They were moving people's uh, fingers on a pen, you know, in an ICU ward, (laughs) anything to get those early votes. And so now I think after the mayoral election where it was impossible to get Republicans to early vote or even trust elections. Remember, Mm -hmm. my biggest problem was people would say, Curtis, I love you. I don't trust uh, the elections. Look what happened to Trump. You it started to wane off a little bit in the gubernatorial. Mm -hmm. But I think all Republicans realize now these are the rules. Mm -hmm. And if you don't take advantage of the rules, you're going to give the Democrats more of an opportunity to win than they already have in our areas, which is sizable. So, yes, early voting. Absentee voting, extraordinarily important. Mm-hmm. Uh, bundling, mm-hmm. uh, going and getting those ballots yeah. when you know Horristy. that maybe the person is not going to mail them or physically can't bring them mm-hmm. uh, to the polling location or mail them into the Board of Elections. Uh, you have to use every uh, tool in the toolbox that is available. And now Republicans realize it. This cycle, though, is going to be such a low turnout. Mm-hmm. That I have a feeling that when you go like those first um, nine days or so before the actual date of the election, June 27, it's going to be like going to the catacombs. Yeah. Empty. Yeah. Because there's nothing at the top of the ticket to draw a vote. Mm -hmm. A lot of the races, there are no challenges. It's a coronation for the Democrats. And... um, I wonder how many people are even going to turn out. I have a feeling, Andrew,
1: many people will say, what election? Oh, you
0: mean it passed?
1: Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. What's your favorite sport, Curtis? Baseball. Baseball. Okay, so I look at it this way. If Republicans don't start early voting, then basically Democrats are playing the first innings and Republicans aren't trying to score their runs until the ninth inning. Because you want to get into a little bit of the the granulars of this. Republican candidates, Republican teams, they look at the most – Frequent voters who's voted in the last four out of four elections in the last three out of four elections and you try to target those people. Now, if you can, if you know that those people that have voted in the last four out of four and the last three out of four have already come out on election day, you can then start focusing on the less frequent voters, the two out of the four and the one out of the four. But if they haven't come out to vote already, then Republican campaigns have to focus their resources on the most frequent voters.
0: And the ballot harvesting, which is so incredibly important. People have paper at home and a lot of people never bother to fill it out or they send it in too late. We saw that in the presidential campaign, it came down to the paper in so many of the states to change their rules. No, we will allow it. We won't allow it. And it almost never involved Republicans. It was always Democrats who took full advantage of ballot harvesting. I don't like it. It should be illegal, but it's legal. Yeah, Uh, Bundling, I don't like it. It should be illegal, but it's legal. Early voting, I don't like it. It's legal. Take advantage of it. If not, then the Republicans, especially in our area, will continue to suffer loss after loss after loss.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, speaking about... These primary races, let's enlighten some people about what's going on around New York City here just in a few short days. Uh, let's start in the Bronx. District 13, you have been active in this race. You have supported George Haverank. I know I've had on the pe- on the podcast Christy Marmarato. Uh, we've, uh, we've even had Irene, who's been on the podcast, who is yeah. a Democrat, who's running against Marjorie Velasquez. Tell me a little bit about that race. Well,
0: first off, I want to applaud all the candidates. We have six candidates running in heated primaries. The leader of the pack, obviously, is the incumbent Marjorie Velasquez that even Democrats hate because at the last second she voted for upzoning, turning residential areas potentially into high-rise hell where developers can come in. And here you have a nice two-family house. And in the middle of the block, there's a 20-story skyscraper with low-income housing. There goes the neighborhood, right? She swore she would not turn her backs on the homeowners. And there, you have very vibrant homeowners, Italians, Irish, Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, Jews, a nice, diverse group of people. She stabbed them all in the back. So, as a result, you have so many candidates who want to take her out in the general election. Yeah. The problem is you got to get into the general election. Mm-hmm. And that's why you have a very spirited uh, uh, a Republican primary uh, you have uh, the uh, county chairman's uh, sister is running. Yeah, she's considered to be the favorite because she has the backing of Mike Rendino, the Christy county chairman. Marmorato. You have Samantha Gerga. Yeah, oh Sir. boy.
1: Yeah, that's right. Samantha
0: circle. Gerga, yeah. and she's uh, she's like all fired up like like a scorpion in a brandy glass. She's going at the Republican County uh, chair, Mike Rendino, not so much his sister. Mm-hmm. And then you have George Havernack, who I'm supporting, mm-hmm. who's been there forever. He's the most knowledgeable of the issues. So Republicans have choice, but so do Democrats. Mm-hmm. Democrats are going to have Marjorie Velasquez, Irene Estrada the mother of two police officers, pro-cop, against upzoning, and then you have another Democratic candidate. So voters there can't say they don't have choice in selection, and there's so much volatility
1: in both the Democrat and the Republican uh, primaries. Yeah, this one seems like it can go down to the wire to me. Like, I'm having trouble figuring out. It seems like one day it looks like one candidate's favored, then the other one, and and it just seems like—and you— detailed this, I think, with Sid before, just the uh, the bombs that were being thrown between candidates. This feels almost like a presidential primary oh. than it
0: does a city council primary. Uh, and it's all, it's like a novella, a soap opera, so all mama <laughs> drama, you name it, intrigue. Mama this is what drama. the voters say they don't like, but they can't get enough of it. <laughs> because you, you just want to see what's going to happen today. Whereas in a lot of these other races, you can mail it in. There's no competition. It's a coronation.
1: Yeah. So, District 13, if I'm not mistaken, I think you carried District 13 in yes. your
0: mayoral run, didn't you? I, I carried
1: District 13,
0: and uh, so did Congressman Lee Zeldin yes. against Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb, yes. as you call her. Yeah. Uh, so it, it can be a Republican victory. Right. Will the infighting, though, so hurt them? Uh, and I believe that Marjorie Velasquez, because of the county machine, the Democrats, they're mm-hmm. so corrupt— and the guy who knocks
1: people off the ballot, he's made a career of it, Stanley the Slime Schlein. Now, now I've got to say, I used Stanley as my lawyer when I was trying to get on the ballot because all the Republican lawyers had conflicts and were tied up. So I had to go to your friend, and Stanley And he did a great Schlein. job he was, for you. He was very good for did me. did a great job
0: say. for you. I was in his office with you. We were going through the last-minute details as your signatures were being challenged. And luckily, we had a great primary. You had Harry Wilson, you had Rob Astorino, you had yourself, and you had Lee Zeldin. That's what we want in democracy. Mm-hmm. And I believe that Lee Zeldin came out of that battle a much better candidate, much more focused, mm-hmm. much more honed, and ready to do battle. And he almost pulled off the upset against Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb.
1: Yeah, well, look, I think they, I think all the candidates should take a look at how that, you could see how vicious that was. I mean, you had Rob Astorino going at after Zeldin on stage, I was going after Zeldin. He was going after me. Harry Harry Wilson probably spent twelve million dollars going after Zeldin. And guess what? The day after that primary, we all banded together because we realized it was better for the state to have a Republican governor than Kathy Hochul. Exactly. The there district n- needs to realize that. Too.
0: No lingering malice. They, you recognize? Hey, we went in there. We threw punches. We threw haymakers. But hey, let's all rally around Lee Zeldin. Imagine if he were governor of the state of New
1: York now. How? different things would be. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and you think too, I think all these primaries, right? I think that's really one of the things they need to think about on election night. Uh and I even remember your speech on election night when you found out that Eric Adams would be the next mayor. It was a, a beautiful speech. It was one of the uh, most wonderful speeches that you gave talking about the future of New York, talking about how till your dying breath you were going to be fighting for the city to make it a better place and how no matter how vehemently you disagree with Eric Adams, you want him to succeed.
0: Oh, yeah. And that lasted all of 48 hours <laughs> when he went back to the club, zero bond at night, became the nightlife mayor, and it's been a disaster ever since. Yeah. A disaster. <laughs> Uh, and I knew I had to get my concession speech in real quick because, remember, at that time, the networks and the newspapers, they didn't want to hear from me. It was a fait complete so he slipped it in right before he did his two-hour tribute to his mama, to all his family members, half of them that are on the payroll now, getting wine-dined and pocket-lined by us,
1: the taxpayers. <laughs> uh, let's move on to Brooklyn District. 43, where Vito LaBella is running up against Ying Tang. Now, Vito and I, we've known Vito for a while. I know that you're actually probably the person who reintroduced me to Vito LaBella. Uh, I believe you've endorsed Vito, if I'm not mistaken. Tell me a little bit about that race. Well, Vito
0: LaBella is a former cop. Yes. So it's law and order. Again, Mm -hmm. the main issue for so many of these councilmanic districts is law and order. Uh, He's the best at it. The problem for veto is it was a specially created district to try to make sure that somebody who's Asian would win, whether they're Republican or Democrats, especially coming off of the unexpected victory by Lester Chang yeah. against a guy who was in the assembly for 34, 36 years yeah. I mean, the poster child for term limits. Mm-hmm. So Lester
1: shocked the city. And he had to fight for that victory afterwards because they tried to take it away from
0: him. Yeah, they tried to say, hey, he didn't live in the district that he voted, which actually is a crime if you could prove that. But he persevered. And then he had a hand-picked candidate, a gentleman named Ho, mm-hmm. guy that I liked. I endorsed him. At the last second, though, Ho, for personal reasons, bowed out. Okay. Now, there's a line on your petition which allows you to replace a candidate, you know, should death or any kind of any number of situations. And so Vito was chosen because he had just run Mm -hmm. in a very contested state Senate race and barely lost. And that's a lot of the district. So I think you're going to see in the primary, the Italian vote and the uh, Orthodox vote will come out. Uh, the Chinese vote may not come out because they are not a lot of registered Republicans. Hmm. Uh, and then in the general election, should veto, win the primary, that's when the battle will take place. There are three Democrat Asians running. You know, if they all come together at the end, whoever wins... Then Vito's got his work uh, cut out for him because right. they're going to say this is anti-Asian. We're, this district was cut out specifically to have an Asian council person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm there for Vito
1: through thickenton Yeah. Well, that's southern Brooklyn right there. Let's just move over to the Bay Ridge, Coney Island, Bath Beach area where Ari Kagan, who was a former Democratic city council member, switched over earlier in the year to become Republican. This was looking like it was going to be a really, really hot race Early in the year. I know Mike Ragusa had entered the race. He did not actually file his petitions. You have a few other candidates here. Let me pull them up over here. But tell me a little bit about this race and tell me what you were thinking looking at Bay Ridge. And tell me a little bit about the history of Bayridge. Because I remember Bay Ridge used to be a Republican stronghold, if oh, I'm yeah. not mistaken. Your father, what happened?
0: Uh, would be uh campaigning there door to door, store to store with Marty Golden, the state senator. It was a guaranteed Republican enclave going way back to the days of Barry Goldwater uh, and Bill Buckley. When Bill Buckley ran for mayor, they went with Bill Buckley. Mm -hmm. But it's changed. The hipsters and millennials have come in. A lot of immigrants (laughs) have come in. So Marty Golden, when he last ran and lost, he lost his beloved Bay Ridge.
1: Yeah. They didn't
0: vote for him, not because he didn't love Marty. But so many of his constituents had either moved to Florida or unfortunately had died. Yeah. And so he lost. And now we see that the demographics are not in favor of the Republicans there. They, thaw- they are, though, in nearby Diker Heights, mm-hmm. in Brighton Beach, in Coney Island. That's why Eric Kagan can beat Justin Brandon, who must be beaten. Mm-hmm. This guy is a sanctimonious hypocrite, Justin Brandon. And Eric Kagan has good support in the projects because he represented that area as a Democrat. Mm-hmm. He's from Belarus, I mean, it, it, the flavor of the day in southern Brooklyn is if you're from Belarus, you're from the Ukraine or you're from Russia, you're going to get a lot of votes. They are the growing base of the Republicans in southern Brooklyn, along with the Chinese. So I've uh, I've cast my support for Ari Kagan. He still has the primary, but we need to put all of our efforts behind him because this is going to be a classic heavyweight battle, apartment to apartment in which some Democrats We'll vote for Ari Kagan, which could be the margin of his victory.
1: Yeah. Uh, the other candidates, the Republican candidates in that are Avery Pereira and Anna Belfiore Del Faust. Um, Brennan lost that race. I mean, you almost carried Fox over, the city council candidate, in 2021. I think he only won that race by about a point or a point and a half. And I believe you
0: carried that, if I'm not mistaken. Brian Fox had him beaten uh, when the machine count came in. And Brian Fox and his staff did a brilliant thing. They never put up a Brian Fox sign. Right. They said that, here, Justin Brannan voted to defund the police yep. by a billion dollars. True. Mm-hmm. Supported Black Lives Matter against the police department. True. <laughs> and and was for the no-cash bail in Albany. True. <laughs> so you saw all these yellow signs up. They never mentioned Brian Fox. So immediately the people in that district said, oh, I can't vote for Justin Brannan. Anybody but Justin Brannan. Yeah. And Brian Fox was not well-known. Won on election night, but the paper came back, and this is what the Democrats are good at, getting those absentee votes, sent in early. And because of that, uh, Justin Brant unfortunately became, uh, once again, the elected councilman. But he was on his way to becoming the Speaker of the City Council. He was Eric Adams' choice. He was as close to Eric Adams as anyone But Eric Adams could not, after that very close victory, get him to become speaker. And now he has a nemesis, his namesake, Adams from Queens, Mm -hmm. who is even further (laughs) to the
1: left than Justin Brennan. Yeah. Okay, what other races are you looking at around the city here in the next uh, week and a half? Any, Any other ones catching your eye? I know you've been all over the place. I've seen you hustling. You've been uh, uh, opening up Ronald Reagan clubs from Staten Island to Astoria, Queens, and the belly of the beast, and you've got more energy than ever. So where are you looking at for the next week half?
0: Well, there's a good race. Uh, it's over in Flushing. Uh, so you have two Asian candidates slugging it out, in the Republican primary. Um, again, to the best uh, man in that race, let them win. I believe in primaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in that particular case... You know, I'm just going to leave it to the Asian community to make their choice. But there aren't all that many primaries out there. Yeah. You know, it's pretty much a rollover. Perfect example. Joanne Ariola mm-hmm. out in the Howard Beach area had a very difficult uh, race the last time, mm-hmm. although it was a Democratic Socialist of America who was her opponent. Right. She steamrolled uh, that woman. Uh, with a little bit of my help, I was at the top of the ticket. Yeah. This time, they didn't even bother to run a candidate against her. Robert Holden, the moderate Democrat, mm-hmm. who also has Republican support. Last time, the DSA, they came out of heavily. They almost won the seat. This time, they rolled over. They're not even trying because a lot of these council people, they only have another two years. Yeah. And they're out, like Joe Borelli in Staten Island. A lot of these figures that we're used to— right. That's it. It's another two-year ride, and then term limits kicks in. So we won't have a Borelli. We won't have a Robert Holden. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how it affects Ariola, But I think you see strategically AOC, they know, control the city council. Don't try to become the mayor or the controller or the public advocate. They already have the public advocate and the controller, Brad Lennon. And don't go for the mayoralty. But if you control the city council and you have a veto-proof majority, which they have now... You control the city. Yeah. The mayor does not control the city. I mean, I think that's obvious to everybody now.
1: Yeah. Uh, one other one I want to talk about a little yeah. bit, which is the Democratic primary. Who's going to be running against our friend Vicky Palladino? Somebody who I've called the most dynamic elected official in the city of New York. Tony Avella, who ran a uh, who Vicky beat in twenty twenty one with your help and all that. He's got a primary against. Christopher Bay, and Paul Graziano. I, I think Tony Avella probably ends up skating through to that primary. Well,
0: I know, actually, uh, uh, Graziano, okay. uh, he had run when I was the Reform Party chairman of New York. He's ex- extraordinarily good on housing issues, mm-hmm. but he's sort of a, a one- a pony candidate, okay. one-issue candidate. Tony Avella is there forever. He can't get a job in the private sector. A lot of people hate him, but some people will just press the lever for Avella. The other gentleman is from the Queens District Attorney's Office. He's Korean. He could sneak into victory. That's a growing age of mm-hmm. But Tony Avella, you were there. Your father swore in uh, Vicky Paladino into office. Yep. We were all there. Yep. And on that night, Avella, instead of accepting defeat, he was a sore loser. He declared himself city council person yeah. in exile, yeah. waiting to sweep in. Yeah. And you say to yourself, what is up with you guys? Mm-hmm. She beat you fair and yeah, square. she did. She lost to uh, him one, one time previously. Mm-hmm. Sort of like, give it up, pal. But no, the Democrats are going to come at Vicky. Mm-hmm. All of them. Oh, yeah. And they're going to use George Santos against her as they are against any Republican Mm -hmm. now or in the upcoming uh, next year's congressional uh, races when the Republicans are going to have to carry the burden of that fake, phony, fraudulent, fugazi person known as George Santos, the drag queen. who wants to be everybody's friend, including a Met fan. And I think the Mets have been cursed by the fact that George Santos on opening day did a video, Let's go, Mets,
1: in, in Met garb. They're cursed. Uh, you think he's trying out for Mr. Met? Is that, is that what the plan is uh, after Miss all There's no Miss doubt Met. about it. Who knows? I mean, he's been a drag queen for three years outside of Here Rio we.
0: de Janeiro. I'm telling you, that is going to hurt the Republicans so badly, and they have only themselves to blame. The Nassau County GOP knew all about George Santos. The Queens GOP knew all about George Santos. Nobody thought he could win. The Democrats had all this information on George Santos when Swazi beat him the first time and when Zimmerman ran against him the second time. And on election night, he wins by 10 points. Yeah. And they figured, like, eh, maybe none of this will come out. And then the New York Times... Dropped the hammer on his head. Based on what the North Shore leader had written about the September before the general election, nobody paid attention to that community newspaper, which has won 19 Pulitzer Prizes. They did the expose on George Santos. So nobody can say they didn't know
1: about George Santos. Where on earth was Zimmerman's team on that one, Curtis? Where were they? I mean, they, they printed it out, right? It was there for them. It was in the public sphere, right? You had debates between Zimmerman and Santos. How could Zimmerman's team be so? Stupid as to not run with that and put that everywhere
0: because they believed that it was a slam dunk coming uh, on the heels of Swazi, who was beloved in the area. Yeah, okay, so, then,
1: so I'm sorry to interrupt you, but then what that means is this person's too lazy to be a member of Congress. If he thinks a race is going to be a slam dunk for his seat, he does not deserve to be and, even running. And the other the thing,
0: Congress. Andrew, he not only didn't bring it up in two debates that George Santos showed up for. He runs a public relations firm. That's how he earns his business. So they knew all about it. And then he comes on with Joan Hamburg and Cindy Adams. He plays a little Mama Luke. Oh, it's not fair, not fair. (laughs) Hey, guy, that's your job, public relations. All you had to do was go Google. You didn't even have to Google.
1: (laughs) And it all came out. Uh, Well, Curtis, think. speaking of Google, if I need to know something about New York City, I don't go to Google. I call up Curtis Sliwa, mm. and I ask him what's going on in New York City. We're two and a half years from the next mayoral election. Is Curtis Sliwa considering running for mayor oh, in hell 2025? Yeah. I'm reminded about that every day. I'm reminded about it, too, every day that you should be
0: our next mayor. People have these stickers out in Queens, in Vicky Paladino's district, and some of the other districts where I did really well. And they have the sticker says, don't blame me, I voted for Sliwa. <laughs> and every day that Eric Adams takes this city deeper and deeper into the abyss, people scratch their heads and say, well, maybe I, I believe the hype. Yeah. You know, 22-year cop, uh, he was going to be the law and order mayor. And they actually line up outside of my apartment on the upper West right side mm-hmm. where they hate me. Yeah. But they want guardian angels patrolling the Upper West Side because the crime has skyrocketed. So when I come out in the morning, because my job is to get the Bethes for Nancy, she changes the, the cat litter three times a day. <laughs> I get a double hernia. They come, Curtis, we have a problem here on 89th off Riverside Park. And I ask them, and they're always honest, the old Alta Kajas, did you vote for Eric Adams? Yes. Did you vote for Alvin Bragg? Yes. Now you must suffer. <laughs> No, no guardian. No guardian angels for you. Like the soup not. No soup for you. That's right. No guardian angels for you. <laughs> Deal with it. You had me in your neighborhood. You could have elected me. And remember, Nancy ran for city council against Gail Brewer. Right. So they voted for Gail Brewer. Yeah. So they would have had two sleevers yeah. in one living in the neighborhood with all our cats.
1: Oh, well, that's like a double-double right there. I know that's an in-and-out. Reference from California, but that's what I want, a double-double. Curtis, one more time, the importance of early voting for our listeners.
0: Well, you have to get out there and vote. Look, don't think that the vote is rigged or that you're wasting your vote. These city council races, there'll be so few people actually voting. Your vote will really count. And I must say, on behalf of even the Democrats and Republicans, they're all working hard. Nobody's mailing in the election. They're out there, they're going door to door. Going door to door is like being a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon missionary. <laughs> Doors get slammed in your face, people spit at you. I don't vote. And they're proud of that. I, don't, I never vote. You're all crooks. You go home at night. You feel like you you're, you're soiled. You have to take a shower. You're depressed. Arrows in all your back. Right, everywhere. you know that having gone through the campaign, and you're a well-known figure. I was a well-known figure. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times, I don't vote. You're all crooks, and they're proud of it. And their kids are right there listening. So that our biggest problem to overcome is apathy and indifference. So I want to applaud all the candidates, even the socialists who I hate, I loathe, I despise. Because it ain't easy running for office, and that's really what our democracy is all about.
1: One more time, I want to ask, are you uh, are you still pissed about me usurping your hour there, now at 2 o'clock on Sundays? Absolutely, and now Good.
0: Roger Stone, too.
1: That's so right. it's back-to-back belly. I thought for sure they were bumping you up an hour. They were going to
0: give me my hour back. <laughs> but who did they reach out to? The guy who was the campaign manager for Al Slim Shady Sharpton when he ran for the presidency in the Democratic primary. I know where Roger Stone's bones are buried and who buried them.
1: Give me my hour back. Well, that's my favorite hour of the week, just because I know how pissed you are <laughs> to hear my voice. Curtis, thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate Anytime, it. Anytime, and change
0: that first name, because every time I go to say your name, I think of Andrew evil like Como. Can I give him a, a salute? Yes. Andrew, ascend me to see your just like your father, Mario.
1: A perfect way to end this episode of Not That Andrew with the one and only Curtis Lee. Thank you very much.